Welcome to another week of the Uproar Podcast, where we believe that the power of God is still moving and changing a generation. Thanks so much for joining us today. This is Zach and Cody, again, coming at you with one of the most powerful topics that really we wish we got right when we were in high school. And uh, we want to help equip you to go to the length, the height, the depth, the width, whatever God's called you to do. We want you to get there. And we know the people that are in your life are so important to you getting there. Today, we want to talk about checking your circle and why it's so important that the people in your circle are the right people in the right place and the right time. The Bible says in Romans 16, 17, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid such people, for they don't serve Jesus, but they serve their own appetites by smooth talk and flattery. They deceive hearts. How much does that sound like something that we would see today in like a school setting or even in a work setting? where you would show up and these people, they'll entice you. And it's not always like people are going to walk up to you and say, you know, like, let's go kill somebody or let's go get so drunk tonight. (laughs) They never start out. But it's like, first it starts out as like joking around, maybe inappropriate. And then it moves in that direction. They, you know, it's not even necessarily that their intent is to do that, but they're on assignment. And when they do that, it slowly works into you and it gets into your heart. And before you know it, it can completely corrupt a good person. We were just talking about some of the things that you see when you know somebody from a young age, yeah. and they Seriously. have a good, pure heart, but they start to—they don't—they're not concerned with That's their circle. Around, man. They're not concerned with the people that they spend time with. It reminds me of Genesis 19. You see, yep. in Genesis 19, Lot before that, Genesis 18, you see Lot goes in and he sees two angels enter the city and he bows down at their feet and says, yeah. "My Lord, My Lord." Then you fast forward one verse. Those angels are in his house, and it says every man in the city, every man, was at his front door. They wanted the angels to come out so that they could have sex with them. A gangbang. It's when, disgusting. <laughs> when Lot came out of his house, he addressed them as my friends. Right. Please don't do this. I'll give you my virgin daughters instead. What business did Lot have calling those people his friends if he was truly a God-fearing man? Like when he said, my Lord, my Lord, in front of the two angels— He had been consumed and surrounded by wicked people for so long that he had become himself wicked, a portion of his heart. You could tell. What business did he have calling those people his friends? Or offering up his daughters. Honestly, if you read through the Bible, there's a lot of friend groups that were terrifying that either kept them from what God had for them or launched them towards what God had for them. So like, let's talk about Job's friends. They came in and tried to convince Job against the word of God. Or on the flip side, we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who in, in the book of Daniel, they were told, hey, bow down to the statue by the king. And they stood th- strong. Those three friends in the face of culture, they stood strong. Look at Job's wife. Yeah, Job's Curse wife. God and die, she told. That was his wife's advice. Curse God and die. Not just a friend, but it, it's <laughs> sometimes the people closest to us. And we can't always boot them right out of our circle, but we can, vo- we can boot their influence in our lives. I love 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. It says this. It says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And honestly, we got to make sure we protect our circle because... 
it will corrupt us over time. There's an old statement that says you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And that, that is true. You'll start to partake and do the things of the people you spend the most amount of time with. And that's yep. why it's so important to have the right people around you. It's right to have the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's mm-hmm. in your life. who say, we're not going to bow to the world. We're going to stand on the things of Jesus. It's important to measure that if every man in the, in the city or every person in your school is against the things of God, that you're not going to spend the majority of your time with them. Now, you have to be in class with them. You have to go to school with them. But how you partner with them is so important. That goes to being equally yoked. Yeah. We hear that as Christians all the time in a context of dating, according to 2 Corinthians 6, that do not be unequally yoked. Well, it's true in dating, but it's also true in our friendships. Like if, if our friends aren't going to be going after Jesus, mm-hmm. they're going to be dragging us in another direction. Mm-hmm. And it, again, you, you still need to be around those people because you need to share Jesus with them, but you can't be so attached with them that every decision they make, you also follow along with and end up walking away from God when he's called you to win your school for Jesus. He's called you to win your family. He's called to win your workplace. And it really depends often on who we partner up with, who we attach with, and who we allow closest to our lives. Yeah, I want to stick on that story in Genesis for a minute because the, the more that I think about it, people won't relate that story to their own lives because the thought of like offering up your two virgin daughters to the entire city of men, that is a pretty drastic thought. But put it in your own world for a second. Imagine like you go to church on your for youth group on Thursdays or whatever day your church holds youth group, and then you go to church on Sundays. So for those two days, you're around the right kind of people, hopefully, and you're around the people who are building you up and dragging you closer to Jesus. But then you decide that on Friday night, you're not going to go to a party to drink or to smoke, but you're going to go just to like drive your friends home, or you're going to go just to hang out with your friends, but you're not going to drink and smoke. How long do you think it's going to take before they wear you down? And it's like, all right, I'll have, I'll just have one, I'll have one beer, or all right, I'll just, I'll smoke right. this one time. Think about it like this: when a new student transfers into your school from a different school, they stand out when they first move there, even if they're like the people in your school because they're different. But how long does it take for that student to be there before they're blend in with everyone else and you don't even remember the fact that they were a transfer student anymore? Because they become their surroundings. People naturally adapt to whatever surrounding yeah. they're in. It's not it's even true. something that you really subconsciously, you almost don't even have the choice to adapt to it or not because if you keep subduing yourself to that same crowd all the time, eventually it's just going to wear down on your spirit and you're going to give in to the flesh. You have to be the influencer in those kind of relationships. Yeah. Like you need to have relationship with unsaved people. You can't be that that weirdo sitting in the corner by yourself. No doubt. Like reading your Bible all day long and refusing to even converse with people because you'll never be able to win them like that. You need to be able to have a relationship with them, but not so much that you are the one influenced. And maybe today you're saying, you know, I, I can't be the one that's the influencer or I'm not strong enough, then maybe you need to separate yourself for a little bit and get that power, get that strength, get some identity, go back and listen to some podcasts, get an urgency in your heart to win souls. And I I believe that when you can separate and then enter back in as the influencer, not the one being influenced, you won't become dull. Proverbs 27 talks about it like this. It says, iron sharpens iron. But if iron sharpens iron, then guess what? If you're hitting against something dull, you're going to become dull yourself. It's so important that you have a group of people that will help sharpen you 
keep you in the right place. And maybe that's not people in your school. Maybe that's friends. Maybe it's family members. Maybe it's spending time with your pastor, your youth pastor. But you need someone to help keep you sharp so you can be sharp in the place God has called you to be. So you're not around a group of friends that are continually, or not even friends, just maybe school, like classmates or, or people you work with that aren't going to dull, 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 so you, you have nothing to cut with. And I want to challenge you a little bit too. Maybe you go to youth group. Maybe you go to church on Sunday. Maybe your friends go to youth group with you. But are they pushing you to really excel in the things of Jesus? I like how Matthew 16, 13 lays it out. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he asks them, he asks them, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they say, well, some say that you're like John the Baptist or others say Elijah or some say Jeremiah. And he said, okay, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. See, there's a big difference between people who saw Jesus and knew who he resembled, and there was people who spent time with him and learned him and knew who he was. There's a huge difference in Revelation knowing who Jesus is like or knowing who Jesus is. And so many times I'll see people that'll come to youth group or they'll come to church or they'll spend time with their friends that are attending church functions, but they're not actually seeking after the things of God. If asked in question, they could probably tell you who Jesus is like. They could probably give you some descriptive terms for him, but they wouldn't be able to describe to you who Jesus is because they haven't given him the opportunity to move in their lives. And I challenge you with that today. Give Jesus an open door to do something in your life. It's what he desires to do. We only know who Jesus is by what he does. And we know that the things he do that he does are rooted in love. Everything he does is rooted in the fact that he loves you more than anyone else could. And that, it's so important to keep that, that circle tight with people like that. And then obviously not keep everybody else out so they can't know the Jesus that you know. When it comes to being the influencer, first you need to know Jesus, but then also you need to know your purpose. Mm-hmm. And it, I've heard people, man, they'll blame they'll blame even who they are naturally. Like, well, I'm I'm an introvert. I'm not yeah. an extrovert. Look, it's a decision. Who it's not a gift. That? Well, it, and it's fine. You might be an introvert. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same day, at the same time, it's a decision. It's not something that is determined by who you kind of naturally are, whether you're quiet or loud. Mm -hmm. It's a decision you make to be an influencer. And being an influencer really is not difficult. It's just serving people. It's just loving them. And when you can do that, you can get out of your circle and make sure that that people are loved on and and they're pushed in the right direction. But you got to so protect your circle because that's who's going to influence you. And we want to make sure that your influence in the right direction, your influence to love Jesus, your influence to win your school, your influence to grow in Jesus, to encounter Jesus. And you got to have the right people around you. And you need people around you like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because we're not going to bow. You need people around you who, mm-hmm. like in John 11, verse 16, one of the disciples, they were faced with this. Like, well, if we go down to Jerusalem, we're going to die. Yeah. And the one disciple stood up. And he's like, well, let's go die with Jesus then. Like, yeah. <laughs> we need some radical friends. We're going to be like, no, forget the world. We want Jesus. And when you can do that, man, I really believe you'll start to have what you're looking for. Other people don't have it because they're all searching in the same direction. But you need the right people to help encourage you. And maybe you don't have anybody. Maybe just find one person 
And I, it's funny to me because I'm in, I'm in the high school every week and I see a lot of Christians, but they don't even sit with each other. They go to the same church, mm-hmm. but they have different friend groups. Yeah. And I've seen people f- walk away and fall away from the Lord just from their friend groups. Man, if, if, if your friend group isn't going to encourage you to serve Jesus, maybe at least during lunch, sit with another believer and talk about the things of God. Maybe at least for a, a 20, 30 minutes of your day, get around someone else with like faith who's going to help encourage you and stretch you and not be, not, not, not make you dull, but really strengthen you and sharpen you up in the things that you have to do. I want to challenge you this week. If it seems like no one in your school or no one around you has any interest in this stuff or has any interest in serving God, or if you've got friends that are on the fence and they're just not sure, what you know, do I want to do it? Do I want to be cool? Do I want to be popular in school? You be the one that tips the scale. Be the one this week that's willing to put their foot down and say, I'm not going to turn back. I'm not going to give in for this, what this world has because I know it has nothing to offer me. And use the tools that we put out there for you. We spend all week long working on putting tools out there. We put the podcast out. There's, uh, there's different uh, uh, discipleship information on the website. There's, there's the Facebook YouTube page. Messages. There's YouTube videos. We are making sure that every piece of ammunition that you need is right at your hand on your cell phone. And go one step further. Share this podcast with somebody. Put it on your Facebook page. If you're listening right now, I want you to screenshot this on your phone, no matter what platform you're on. Screenshot this on your phone. Post it to your Facebook and tag three people that you want to encourage to listen to the podcast this week. And then go ahead and rate us down at the bottom of the podcast because what that's going to do is make it more easily accessible for other people to find the tools that we're putting out there to see this world changed. It Honestly, run after it. Maybe just find one person. Don't wait for one person to come to you. Be the one person that creates the crowd. And, and get out of your normal crowd. Create the crowd that you want to be a part of. We love you. Have a great day. Enjoy and absolutely win your school for Jesus. And that concludes another week of the Uproar Podcast. We want to invite you to share this podcast on all social media platforms and help us spread the good news of the gospel. Also, you can subscribe to this podcast for updates on all of our latest content.